Hi, this is Sandy Rios, and this is Sandy Rios 24-7. We were just at CPAC, and we did a lot of interesting interviews, and uh, I caught up with a lot of people that I've known for a while. Um, You know, I've grown to trust a lot of sources. I've told you that before. Um, And it's important that you have, in the work that I do, that people you can trust who are on the front lines. How would I know? How would I know about what's happening in Ukraine? How would I know about, you know, how to feel about the Ukraine war or Russia, except for my experience, you know, being in Russia and understanding a little bit about that. Uh, But I'm not an expert. But people like Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer are. And I've been talking with the Lieutenant Schaefer, Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer for many years. He was in Afghanistan and wrote a book called Dark Heart. That's when I first met him. And so um, at CPAC, I just thought, this is what, this is who I want to talk to about the puzzle of Ukraine and Russia. Uh, You know it well. Uh, Do we send endless amounts of money to the Ukrainian people because we, they're refugees, they're hurting, many of them are Christian. Does that mean that we open our checkbooks, our American checkbooks, and favor that cause over the many others? I don't know. Uh, I have an opinion about it, but I don't know for sure. And is Russia the enemy that the Biden administration has declared and the media has piled on? Is it true that, you know, Russia's behind everything? They're behind the dossier, behind, um, you know, behind the the Hunter Biden laptop. What's true about that? We can have impressions, but if we're not in the business, if we're not, you know, on the front lines with high-level intelligence, it's hard to know. So Lieutenant Tony Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer will join me in just a second, and we'll kind of flesh this thing out. I think you're going to find it fascinating. I certainly did. But before we do that, Preborn is our sponsor. We are so grateful for that. And we've saved the lives of like 500 babies already. You've done that. You have done that. You have saved the lives of about 500 babies. I think that's amazing. So we're going to continue with this. You might be amazed to know that even with Roe being overturned, the number one killer among infants is still abortion. Abortion continues to take the lives of nearly one million babies a year, just in this country alone. Preborn network clinics step into the darkness and shine a light into a mother's womb by introducing her to the precious life growing inside of her. Once she hears that heartbeat, her maternal instincts kick in, and the majority of the time, she chooses life. This is God's plan. Since President Dan Steiner founded this life-saving ministry 16 years ago, over 200,000 babies have been saved. For just $140, you can introduce a mom to her baby on ultrasound and help rescue five babies' lives. And when you do, you'll receive five stories and five ultrasound pictures of the baby saved. That's kind of fun, don't you think? And rewarding and something tangible that you can see. Our goal is to rescue 500 more babies between now and the end of May. So uh, we can only do this, of course, with your help. So I ask that you'd please join us. All you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy and make your most generous donation. And we thank you in advance. We thank you in the past. We thank you in the present. You are so generous. And uh, you, you humble me with that. And I thank you. All right, so uh, meanwhile, sit back and relax, and here's the next version of Sandy Rios 24-7.
From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Okay, Sandy Rios back with you at this noisy place, CPAC 2023, and I'm talking with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer has been a friend for a long time, a professional friend. We've talked on the air many, many times, but not on the podcast, so this is new. Sandy Rios 24-7 is new, Tony. Um, Anyway, thank you for joining me. It's always great to see you. Great to be here. It's been a very, very uh, active CPAC. So it's good to be here with you finally it, after it, trying to get together. How know. many How many interviews do you think you've done? Oh, I I, uh, <laughs> I lost track at, at, at 50. And I'm not joking. I mean, it's, 50? Well, no, you've got people who want to talk to you just like 30 seconds. Hey, I'm doing yes. this for right. this outlet, this outlet. And right. then Newsmax, which I'm a contributor for. Uh, we're right next to WMAL, which, you know, you've got my Vince, my friend Vince and, and Larry. So I do stuff with them. So it just adds up. So very is, quickly. Is there? Um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but is there any litigation going on about Newsmax being dropped from uh, Directv? So um, let me see what I can say or not say. Um, I know that there are a number of ongoing considerations for different options. That's about all I know I can say. I know that um, I spoke to the leadership just today on this because we're trying hard. All of us who work for Newsmax to just obviously point out that. Denying people their option to listen to any outlet they choose is just not American. So it's terrible. Yeah, and and they claim that you didn't have the numbers or something. Of course, we and had that the was numbers. not true. No, I know you true. did. Yeah. I mean, Newsmax was it was my go-to because uh, I liked One America Now too because they they gave you could right. trust them and you could trust Newsmax. So on, on that point, um, yeah. this I never worked for Fox, despite what people seem to think. Uh, Newsmax is the first organization I've actually ever worked for regarding being a contributor. So just saying that I do believe where, where they're going is the right direction. Uh, I think they've taken a lot of bright folks, and I think that's why they wanted them off AT&T, because they were actually moving in a direction where people were listening yes. to them. And that's yes. the last thing the left wants, is yeah. voices that are actually listened to and accepted. Totally. I, I was furious when, when that happened. So I'm yeah. glad to know there's something happening. Okay, so uh, Tony, I because I didn't know I was going to talk to you, I want to ask you some questions. Sure. Because you, there's a book that you wrote. When I first interviewed you, it was on your book. Yeah, it was Operation Dark Heart. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, it, it covered my time in Afghanistan. And, of course, the full title was uh, a- a- Operation Dark Heart, Spycraft, and Special Operations on the Front Line of Afghanistan and the Path to Victory, which I might add, no, they didn't take the path to victory. Just saying. I think we saw that, you know. You must have been beside yourself to watch that withdrawal from Afghanistan? Well, I think they did it on purpose. I don't, I'm not going to sound conspiratorial, but I've been talking to folks who were actually involved in it, and it looks to me like uh, Biden, being Biden, cut a deal with the Taliban, and they just said, oh, you know, you get everything, bye. And uh, now, uh, at this point in time, today as we are doing this interview, Afghanistan has become a, the Disneyland for terrorists. You have 20, 20 terrorist organizations now going in, paying the Afghan Taliban, 
to train on American equipment. Think about that. The $38 billion stuff we left is now the very thing we fought for 20 years to prevent. And it's because Biden, either by uh, not commingling uh, the ideals of allowing for uh, the Taliban to be represented or being stupid, either way, it's bad. And remember, they've done this before, Sandy. They did this, Obama did this with the Muslim Brotherhood, a terrorist organization. Oh, yes, he did. They partnered with them against uh, the, the government of Egypt, and almost Egypt almost went That's right. fundamentally. So I, I think they've done the same thing with the Taliban. It's like, oh, yeah, they're not that bad. We can deal with them. And I think it, it's it's going to be far worse this time than last time if you're talking about a 9-11 style attack. So. Listen, I don't doubt at all that was on purpose. I no. think we, and you know what? I don't think anybody listening will actually doubt just, that. Because just look at the facts. Look, look at, at the facts. what they're doing. Yeah. If you were an enemy of the state, you could not perform with any more right. expertise or efficiency at just dismantling the security and safety of this country. Right. Piece by piece. Yeah. And, and then saying, oh, we're incompetent. You're not incompetent. You're doing it on purpose. Yeah. I mean, Tony Blinken is not incompetent. He's evil. <laughs> uh, you know, Lloyd Austin. I know Lloyd Austin. I worked in, he was the general I worked for in Darkheart, uh, part of Task Force really? 1. Yeah, he was a brigadier general. I know the man. And, 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 and he is not doing what a secretary of defense should do if he actually wanted to defend the country. And I know Mark Milley. Mark was my guy in the transition team. I was a Trump 2020 uh, transition team, uh, and I was also the national security advisor to Trump 2020. And uh, look, you, you don't you don't do and say those things if you're actually trying to defend uh, the Constitution and live up to your oath of office. Okay, so tough tough question for yeah. you, Tony. Uh, some people, and I'm one of them, believe that Mark Milley has committed treason. So um, it'll be nice should say that. Yeah. Because why? So I know what you're saying, but treason can only be prosecuted if we're at war. What he's done is sedition. So he could okay. be charged with sedition legally, and and there's 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 actually a UCMJ Uniform Code of Military Justice articles he could and should be charged with by the fact that he uh, called China without authorization to say if we're going to attack you, uh, we're going to let you know. It's like that very thing could have caused you know. an attack. He said, "I'll yeah. let you know." That very thing could have caused an attack because the Chinese said, "What? What?" So he actually put us on the brink of war without any reason to do so because of a political narrative that he wanted to support, that Trump was out of control. Think about that. Oh, I have. I'm, I have. I'm just disgusted by it. So Lloyd Austin just made a statement this week or last week yeah. about, uh, I don't remember the words, but they were going to take China seriously now. And they're yeah, really, you know, no. they're really gearing up now. They're no. there now. And, you know, we're going to come after you or... Let it be known. Here's the line. Whatever. Fill in the blanks. I don't remember. Yeah. But Nobody believes him. N- yeah. Nobody believes him. Mm-hmm. That's the point. So uh, I'm friends and mentors with a lot of the Reagan folks. I actually saw Ed Meese a few days ago. And I know. I know. Listen, I go back a long way with him, yeah, too. Yeah. And so I talk to these guys all the time. It's like, what would Reagan do? How would Reagan do this? And what would you advise him to do? So a lot of the things when people hear me on the news, it's Reagan-based, literally. And at this point... Uh, Unless you have a Reagan-type leader who can come in and basically say, I'm going to negotiate with you, but I'm going to put a, a knife to your throat. So if you do something stupid, I'm going to slit your throat. But I'm willing to talk. We don't have that. There is no negotiating from a position of strength. It's all reaction. For example, the Chinese put forth a peace plan, a 12-point peace plan. Sandy, the Biden administration knew that was coming a full week in advance and did nothing to get ahead of it. Nothing to say hey, we got a better plan, or maybe that's not the best idea. Instead, they let the Chinese surprise the world and then make it look like we're on our... 
And now the Chinese are the adults in the room. They're being seen by the international community as the adults. Oh, they're the ones trying to resolve this. And we're seen as bellicose, stupid people because of Joe Biden's completely inappropriate and, and feckless speech on Ukraine. That's the reality we live now. And, and that was all because they refused to do the hard things of being prepared to, to, to say, we will negotiate, but we'll do it from strength. Instead, it's all weakness and reaction. And I think that that's by design, too. I do, too. Because the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain wants to destroy this country. Yeah. Right? That's the trajectory. You can't take anything away else away from what's happening. The I know this is like, I even hate to ask this question. Sure. But if you had any insights uh, into those balloons beyond what's been publicly so, uh, shared, what, what could you say? So uh, of the four balloons that were shot down, three were Chinese. And I, my, my reference on this is actually Harvard University. There's an atmospheric scientist who actually did a study looking at the other two balloons, the one shot down over Alaska and the one shot down over the Great Lakes. And he, he looked at, I know this is odd, but he'd use scientific facts that were presented by the NOAA, the National o Ocean and Atmospheric Asso Administration, and their tools. And he actually used their data and their tools, taking the point the balloon was shot down from, walking it back, and he was able to trace it back to northern China, to the area where they suspect the, the People's Liberation Army, the Chinese opera, have a, have a, have a launch facility. And he, he said they traced it back using our data to China on the 8th and 9th of February. So it's like I've been on the air saying, we know the Chinese did this. And I know if this guy from Harvard, who's not a conservative, knows this, DOD most certainly knows it, and they aren't saying, or they, they, they are being told, don't say anything because we want to be nice to China. I'm just telling you, three of the four were indeed Chinese, and they don't want to talk about it. Tony, I know you're still, you still work with the Pentagon in some way, something. I do. I, yeah. I, I try. I try. It's like, it's like, a, it's like an unruly teenager. You know, you want to try to work with them. <laughs> Oh, well, that's pretty benign, <laughs> but I think... Uh, with a gun. Okay. Teenager yeah, yeah, with a gun. Right. Yeah, teenager with a gun. Um, but a good friend of mine, also somebody that you'd know, but high-ranking uh, general, uh, retired, shared with me that uh, a long time ago that there wasn't anybody, uh, from his perspective, that was trustworthy, left on the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So, um, I'll be blunt. That was a long time ago. Yeah, so look, I, I've, I worked with... Um, the Trump administration at that level. And I advised Mike Pompeo, and I advised uh, Joe Dunford, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Uh, and uh, fighting Joe Dunford was actually an Obama holdover, and he was a real general. And so I do believe, as a matter of fact, I produced a series called Chain of Command, it was from Nat Geo, and it was done because Dunford, God bless him, felt that we could not get, he could not get enough positive attention to what the Pentagon was doing well. And it's like, oh, I'm, we're happy to help. But beyond Dunford, no, I, I, I don't think you have generals who are able to think uh, creatively and uh, without regard to politics. I think every general now we have is a, pol a politician in uniform. And the, and the skill of, of critical thinking has been lost to the senior officers on the joint staff at this point. That's what I see, too. All right, so, Tony, um, I'm assuming... You know, it's funny because I, I haven't interviewed you in such a long time, but I, we we really do track. I'm and sure I'm not do, a yes. military person, you know, but um, I'm guessing that the COVID, the forced mandates uh, for the vaccine in the military was, uh, and what's happened to the military members as a result of that is uh, something that kept you awake at night. Well, it did because, first off, I think it was a purity test at first. Uh, it was all about, they used the white 
the the uh, uh, white supremacist thing first. Didn't work really that well. Nobody was like, there's not white supremacists in the military. And then COVID. Oh, COVID. You must comply because if, if you're concerned about someone else, you must get inoculated. It's like, it didn't work like that. And I think that was the second factor. And so they, folks who were actually free thinkers, I'll just use that term, they weren't anti-vax. It's just like, um, why would I want to take an experimental drug if I don't need it? Uh, and they, the military was the, uh, of the demographics who were affected by COVID, they were the least affected. That is to say, healthy uh, men and women from 20 to 50 were the least apt to be get long COVID, to be in the hospital because their bodies were fitness, were, 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 were fit. But yet they were the ones most vigorously forced to take it. And now we're seeing all sorts of consequences and side effects. And, and, and let me be clear, not a single one of the vaccines that was, was presented and, and used in America has been approved by the FDA. One was, but it was one variant in Europe that's not even available here. And so the point of that is that the order was illegal, mili- turned military regulations, illegal. because they couldn't force the men and women to take a vaccine that was not approved. That's right. And, right. and, and now they're paying for it because everybody's <laughs> going to be let back in. But now here's what real. They are. They've, they've decided they're going to let everybody back in. They have to. That haven't been vaccinated. They, yes. the and will they refused. restore? Oh, I didn't know that. I, I'm made that so glad to hear that. They're going to get. They're going to get. They're going to be sued to death if they don't. <laughs> Trust me, it's well, going to be. I'm really. That's the best news I had all yeah, day. Actually, no, they're going to be sued to death. All right. There's one other thing I want to talk to you about sure. that's a little more complex. And I haven't discussed this with anyone. I can't okay. think of anybody I'd rather talk to about it. Honestly, I grew up during the Cold War. Me too. So I remember uh, Russia being our, the Soviet Union being our number one enemy. Right. The nuclear standoff, the threats by Khrushchev uh, the, at the UN, the, all of that. Um, and we were rightfully concerned about communism and Ronald Reagan was the, one was of the correct. strongest yeah. voices about fighting communism. So right. that's all true. A lot of our military uh, leaders and friends, people that we still are friends with, they, they haven't forgotten that either. Right. But it seems to me that in this, like starting with President Obama, the characterization of Russia became cartoonish. It did. And, and not tethered to reality. Would you agree with that? I do. So one of the grand ironies was when uh, Mitt Romney rightfully said Russia needs to be a concern. And Obama was dismissive, said, oh, 1980s wants its foreign policy. Oh, back. that's right. And so at the time, we were recognizing it's like, no, Putin is a thug. Now, let me be very clear, because I always have to say I'm not pro-Russian because I'm going to say some, some things which are actually complimentary. Putin is a very strong leader. His approval ratings are very high in Russia. Now, he's doing what the Russian people want him to do. He is a, a, an effective leader. Now, he's killed reporters and elevators personally, as in, like, personally killed women. Uh, he has said the greatest tragedy of the, 21st, the 20th century was the fall of the Soviet Union. There's a clue. And he has been very active since for over the past 10 years of saying, I want to put the band back together. I want to put back together the Soviet. So you've got to accept the man for at his word. You do. With that said, uh, he the Russians have a tradition of being paranoid. They do. If, if you Google invasions of Russia, you see a dozen different things. So they've got reasons to be worried. So you've got to understand that he, while he's a thug, they have concerns because Napoleon, Hitler, uh, the, they've been invaded a dozen different times, so they've always felt they need to have a security sphere. And the moment you don't understand their perspective, 
you will not be able to resolve the issue of what you think they're doing wrong until you understand it. Reagan understood it. Uh, his staff understood it. And I talked to these guys about this deterrence. They understood deterrence. To be effective in deterrence, you've got to be able to make the guy think you're crazy enough to launch. And, and Reagan did that. Remember, it's like, hey, we're going to start the attack in 10 minutes. <laughs> they, were, they were fearful of, of Reagan. That's right. And they were afraid of Trump because the, Trump came across the same crazy way. I'm just crazy enough to do something. Yeah, that's right. And Putin got that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Soviets got that. But this guy, oh, Biden has none of that. And that's what I'm saying. It's like you, what you have to do is understand the Russians will always be the Russians, either, either if they're the Soviet Union or the Republic of Russia. They are Russians. And you have to accept that they see the world culturally and historically different than we do. We have to accept that. And if you don't accept that, you will continue to, to project your cultural values on them and make error after error after error. And that's what we've done. But, Tony, at the time that all of this Russia nonsense, I'm sorry, that's what it is to me, started, uh, it seems to me that Russia was a reigning power. You know, Putin was trying to build it back. He was. But they were economically not able. They're, they depended on oil. We had the ability to overtake them because we right. d- produced our oil right. and energy. Absolutely. And so they weren't the boogeyman. And I don't even right. know. I mean, I don't know. How would I know? It doesn't seem to me that they were targeting us they for they anything. We no. were like coexisting perfectly well. We could have worked even better with them on counterterrorism issues, which I recommend. It's like, look, uh, we're never going to be friends, but at least we can look at interests uh, of, 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 of how we can actually work together on counterterrorism, counter cyber, things like that. So what happened was, uh, and, and this, by the way, is an option now. If, if Biden really wanted to damage Putin, open up the spigots produce oil oh, yes. to the point of where we just drop the bottom out of oil that takes all the money out of Putin's coffers. It does. But part of the war, and, and this is what is, is at stake, the reason Putin moved on Ukraine so aggressively is because in 2014, two things happened. First, in 2013, they discovered new resources of oil and gas in the Donbass in the Black Sea. So that became forefront in 14. And then what happened in 14? Victoria Nuland and the Obama administration pulled the color revolution where they they took out the pro-russian government and put in a pro-eu government and they want the they want ukraine to be part of the eu well putin doesn't want a competitor who has oil and gas to drop the bottom out of the market so what does he do he uses nationalism to justify putting the band back together which he said he wants to and he doesn't want a competitor of gas and oil so he takes the donbass and he's going after the black sea that's what's going on it's all about that's interesting. Uh, economics and what Putin does not want to see happen regarding the EU gaining benefit. This is what it's normally about. It's, it's about economics. Did it, um, I'm not the first person that said this, but I really want to know what you think. It appeared to me that in the in the days leading up to that Ukraine war, the weeks leading up, yeah. that it was absolutely true that the Biden administration was baiting him. They were. And daring him, wanting him to attack. Oh, wait, just, if, we just, uh, if he takes a little attack, it'll be okay. If you just take a little nip, that encourages him. It's like, no, it should Biden does everything six months after he should do it. He showed no strength, and now he wants to show strength. It, it's either incompetence, which I wouldn't put past Tony Blinken, or they're doing it purposely yes. to bait and, and to yeah. encourage and, and then, try to get us into a war. And yes, and then use Ukraine as this incredible yeah. cash cow for their horrible endeavors, which is it. what they've done before, right. so why wouldn't they do it again? Uh, look, uh, the uh, the uh, FTX debacle with Sam Bankman-Fried, 
that was a massive money laundering <laughs> operation using cryptocurrency as a format to do that. And that's still going to come out eventually. But yes, that's exactly what they were doing. Joe Biden was bought off through Hunter on this. There's no doubt that, that we're going to come to find eventually when everything gets out that Biden did receive at least 10 percent, if not more. The of big what, guy. Of the big guy. Yeah, the big there's guy no doubt he's a big guy. There's no doubt. One last question. Yeah. Uh, there was a report that China was going to we a weapon or a provide weapons to uh, Russia in U uh, Ukraine. Yeah. And a lot of people, I mentioned that, and someone really had a vitriolic response to that. Really? Yes. But that couldn't possibly be true. It's already true. Yeah. Okay. No, right, no. Thank you. Gordon, my, my friend and senior fellow from the London Center, Gordon Chang, has said, look, you've got AN-124s flying out of technology centers in Beijing, at least providing some level of direct support to, to Russia already. Nobody knows what's on those planes. Do you, do you think those are cotton balls and, no, and frisbees? No. <laughs> I, mean, I know. I don't know why. I, I, I won't even tell you who. I was just shocked, so I just I got quiet. But here's my thought about that. Is, does, isn't this like a perfect way to bankrupt the United States? It is. Since we are pouring so much money into there, if China extends that right. war, it, will, it could bankrupt us. So uh, General, Brigadier General Blaine Holt, one of my colleagues over at Newsmax, uh, and I have talked about this on air several times. Both China and Russia want to see the petrodollar fail. Why? Because they don't want to be holding to us. We're the ones, because of Reagan back in 72, removed us from the gold standard, put us on the, the petrodollar standard. That the agreement was we, the United States, would, would be the ones who provide money for the energy market. With that, that was what backs our currency. Sandy, if they can knock us out of being the fiat currency for all energy, we're done. We're literally done. And then our, our currency drops in value. China can live without all the money we owe them, trust me. And, and Russia will benefit by the fact that they're now saying we only want to be played in, pay, played in, paid in rubles. They, the Chinese want to replace us as the, as the provider of global currency to the world and its energy. So, yes, that's exactly what they're doing. And they're very patient about it. They're not going to do it like that. They're going to make sure that everything's done little by little, boiling frog, and all of a sudden it's going to be too late for us to do anything about it. And that's what they're trying to do. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, <laughs> in spite of the topic, it's always good to talk to you. And Thank you. And it's also encouraging to know that there are men like you still swinging away and trying to make a difference. We just got to win in 2024. Yes. Well... Uh, that's why we're here at CPAC, <laughs> to try to help that happen. Yes, oh, listen, how, pe how can people see you? And oh, yeah, you? so uh, LondonCenter.org and the and Project Sentinels, my other organization, ProjectSentinel.net. And obviously they'll be seeing all the things we're doing. And I got a new radio show called The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer on the America Out Loud Network. And that's also available on our uh, Twitter, Facebook all the other outlets <laughs> and all that. So, Sandy, it's great to be with you. I'm, I really appreciate the time we took together. It's, so thanks for having me. It's been me. great. Thank you Thank so you. much. Well, so I told you, you would not be disappointed with uh, the, the thoughts and the, the knowledge of Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. I so appreciate his input. We're getting ready to do Share-a-thon, our spring Share-a-thon for American Family Radio. And for some of you who are new, <laughs> you're not accustomed to this, but actually it's, it's a lot of fun. And American Family Radio um, supports itself by listener donations. Uh, there aren't like big foundations and huge corporate interests. <laughs> and that's why we're able to be honest and speak the truth. So um, one fun thing we do during share is gather your stories. And what would those stories be? Stories about uh, those of you that listen to AFR Talk, if you listen to me through that platform, 
and listen to all the other wonderful hosts that are around the clock at AFR Talk, and you have something to say about what it's meant to you, something you heard, uh, just in general, what AFR Talk means to you, we love you to call 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893 and share your story. Uh, and what we do is we pull them out and we play them during share So it's really fun. It's a fun way to hear your voice and hear who you are, where you're from. Uh, it's only two minutes, so you have to kind of think before you call. But it's 877-876-8893. Just in a second, Bruce is going to join me. We're going to talk about what Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer just said. Be right back. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. This is Sandy Rios, back with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. I want to remind you that Preborn is our sponsor, and we're very grateful for that. Uh, you can make a donation to Preborn by going to preborn.com slash Sandy, preborn.com slash Sandy. It is our goal for this show to save 500 babies between now and May. <laughs> you think we can do that? We have saved 500 already just since January. I think that's pretty amazing. And so that's our goal. It's good to have goals. And, and when you are able to do that, uh, they will send you a picture of an ultrasound and a story of one mother's life to share with you. So you can see something tangible about what you have actually done. All you have to do is go to preborn.com Sandy. That's preborn.com Sandy. By the way, if you have the means would you consider a gift of donating a machine? They're very expensive, and these pregnancy clinics, you know, generally speaking, just don't have the resources to buy them. These life-saving machines cost $15,000, and that's more than most centers can afford. Your tax-deductible donation will save countless lives for years to come. You go to preborn.com Sandy. That's preborn.com Sandy. All right, sweetheart. This is the time of the show when people just love. They tell me all the time that one of their favorite things is having you join me, Bruce. And for those of you that don't know, Bruce is a retired FBI agent, and he has a few thoughts about what's going on in the world. And we talk about this a lot. Uh, You know, one thing I want to ask you, Bruce, do you remember the first time you heard the notion that Russia was controlling Donald Trump, Russia was interfering with our election, uh, Russia was behind the Hunter Biden laptop? Do you remember... Do you remember, you know, how, you know, do you remember that first impression of what you thought about that? Well, I remember thinking, this really sounds a little far-fetched. And actually, it sounded like something right out of the Hillary Clinton playbook. Because if you think back to all the scandals that Hillary Clinton has tried to hang on people, it usually involves something perverse, sexual, (laughs) uh, things that her husband did when he was the president. I think she mirrors her attacks off of what he used, uh, the way he used to behave. And this talk that there was a a tape of Donald Trump being in a hotel room in Moscow that had been occupied by Barack Obama and that he had been with prostitutes doing obscene things in that room. Donald Trump, are you kidding me? Do you think someone with his profile is going to be doing things like that? Well, the other part of the dossier, uh, and I'll never forget when it first came out, I actually read as much as I could on the air, and I told people right up front before there was 
any commentary about it. This is this is like the National Enquirer. This is ridiculous. Yes. They they said that he was trying to defile the bed because uh, um, Barack Obama had slept there. Yes. <laughs> that President yes. Trump was trying, and I'm thinking. Really? You think President Trump is going to do that? If he has a beef with Barack Obama, he's going to do he's going to hit him publicly and he's going to hit him where it hurts, isn't it? Like privately urinate in a bed in Moscow. It's ridiculous. And that was kind of the nature of the whole dossier. It, it was. And and you you go back to um when President Trump was just taking office, I mean immediately the FBI tried to and probably successfully did to some degree set up uh, General Flynn to make it look like he was colluding with the Russians. Exactly. When all he was doing was making contact with the Russians as the security de- national security advisor, he that's his job. Exactly. And he was getting a jump start on let's let's build bridges to them considering the administration that they were coming off of and all the, the problems that they had caused um, I, I think it was probably time well spent. And so, you, you know, you had that. Um, then Director Comey of the FBI started acting so strangely. Remember, he, he, was, he went and he briefed Donald Trump on supposedly all this evidence that the government had gathered, again, about these, these, this sex tape that was supposedly had from a Moscow hotel. But there was no sex tape, And there was no clear. tape. <laughs> and... If you remember uh, when Trump tried to introduce Comey at a, a, a gathering of all the cabinet members, Comey was acting very strange. He was standing off to the side. I mean, he's six foot ten. You can't exactly hide in a room, but he was doing everything he could to hide almost in the drapery of the rooms. And you're yeah. like, what is he doing? And then you find out he's meeting with Trump, and immediately after meeting with Donald Trump, the sitting president of the United States, by the way, his boss... Comey starts making these memos and about what the president said. About what the president said, and then not putting them into the official FBI system. It's like his personal collection. That's not allowed. And and then he leaks it to the New York Times. Then he goes to his friend (laughs) and leaks it to the New York Times and and wonders why Donald Trump is having a problem with him and is thinking about replacing him. I remember Comey acting so aghast, like Why would he want to get rid of me? What is he trying to hide? Right, I know. Yeah, he was he was a great actor, and he yeah. fooled most of us. Two yeah. things occur to me as you were talking. One th- point I'd like to make is that one of the reasons they wanted to get rid of General Flynn, one of the last things that Obama said to Trump when he came into office, that private exchange mm-hmm. that outgoing presidents make with incoming presidents, was the person that Trump needed to get rid of was Michael Flynn. Yeah. He couldn't be trusted. And, and that so, was the only name he gave y- him. Yes, and I and to take that further, Michael Flynn is the only general that opposed Obama and spoke out about what was going on overseas among the yes. generals. He was a whistleblower. He was a whistleblower for the he didn't take on that official status, but that's what he was of what was happening in the intelligence agencies. They wanted him out yeah. because he was going to spill the beans on everything. Yeah. So they managed to destroy him. Because if you remember General Flynn was in charge of the Department of Nas- uh, National Intelligence the DNI, and th- they have access to all the intelligence right. agencies info. So General Flynn knew exactly what was going on. He knew where the bodies were buried. The Obama administration, yeah. with Hillary Clinton as right. the Secretary of State, 
her unsecured, um, you know, uh, computer system. It was all right there. The most disturbing thing to me is that it was Mike Pence who threw Lieutenant General Flynn under the bus. You remember he said that Flynn lied to him, and that's why President Trump actually ended up uh, getting rid of General Flynn. Yeah. And uh, it turned out not to be true. It's, yeah. it's just the other thing that occurs to me when you're talking that I'd never thought of, Bruce, I was in Moscow for two weeks uh, a number of years ago before the Soviet Union broke up. I was in a Moscow hotel every night for two weeks. I was going out during the day doing interviews. You couldn't leave the, room, you couldn't leave the hotel without uh, they took your passport. You know, they, they, they guarded you. There were hall monitors, and there were cameras in every room. Yeah. So if, you know, if President Trump had behaved the way they said that he did in the dossier, there would have been a tape. Yeah. There would have been a tape. You know, as a former government employee, I know before you go overseas, you get briefed, and you get briefed about security. And one of the biggest things they emphasize to you is if you're in Russia, if you're in China, if you're in some of these countries— there is going to be surveillance on you. And it may very well be cameras within your room and recording devices within your room. And just because you're Donald Trump doesn't mean no, there's not going to be especially because a you're device Trump. in your room. It's like, oh, we can't do that because it's Donald Trump. It's just, as you say, quite the opposite. Yep. Yeah, so I think uh, the bottom line that I think this is true, and I don't know how we can deny it, that was... Another one of those uh, prevarications, storylines, narrative, as we call it, that the left uses, that Russia was the boogeyman and Russia was behind everything. When the truth was, as we said with Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer, uh, Russia was weakened by that time. They were dependent on oil. We had them by the... Uh, we had to buy the neck because, or if we wanted to, because we were so energy independent, and that was their main source of income. They were flailing. the The old the Russia was kind of the infrastructure and all of that. So, uh, it's ridiculous to think that they had that kind of power. And yet, I do smell Hillary Clinton and all of this, Bruce, because I covered the Clintons so much, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. When I was on radio in Chicago, because all those scandals, Monica Lewinsky, because when Clinton was uh, running for election, I covered his entire election. And Hillary Clinton was noted for telling these stories. One of them was, Billy Dale was the travel agent. She fired the travel agent for the White House, Billy Dale and his wife, and accused them of all of these scandals. None of it was true, we found out later, but she did that so that she could replace them with her friends. She couldn't just fire someone. She had to destroy them. She did the same thing when uh, President Clinton started having all of these women. Not that he started. He, he was doing that before he went to the White House. And she was the, in charge of destroying the women. They called it the, the Bimbo Brigade or the Bimbos, and they would go after each one. Paula, Paula Jones, the a trailer park trash is what they called her. And they were going to do the same thing with Monica Lewinsky, except the blue dress was discovered. Yes. So this is, I just want to give people context. They tell stories, they weave tales, but there's always something slightly off about it if you pay attention. Well, and I think when Hillary Clinton was leaving office as the Secretary of State with Obama, the Benghazi story was still very much a hot potato oh. for them. Because here we are... Ten years later, we still don't know what happened there. I think we know what happened there, yeah, but, I do but too. there's never been an official accounting of that. And General Flynn and other people that were coming into the administration of Trump certainly knew 
that there was a lot to the Benghazi story yes. that had never come out. And you talk about a crazy story once again. Hillary Clinton said it was due to a video. Yeah, by that, a... that the attack on the embassy was caused by a video made by some kind of dissident here in America. In California. Just a filmmaker made this silly, it's a really silly looking movie. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching it. But yes, it's so she blamed the whole thing. And yeah. I, I would say this in, in closing because there's so much we could say about this. Uh, the um, When it came to Benghazi, there were hearings that were supposed to hold people accountable and they were sham. And they were led by Trey Gowdy, who, as my friends would say, is all hat and no cattle. It was a pretend investigation. And I'll tell you why I know that, because I knew, I sat at the table with many, many experts on what happened in Afghanistan. And there were people all over Washington, D.C., in hospitals, who were injured from that, whose names you never heard, who were forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement never to talk about it. That was a horrible event. And the Congress at the time never got to the bottom of it because John Boehner didn't want to and because Trey Gowdy cooperated. So that's disgraceful. Now we have hearings going on in the House, and um, just recently uh, a soldier who had been terribly wounded in Afghanistan in that, that horrible, disgraceful withdrawal uh, in the blowing up of several of our soldiers and Marines in that one area. This guy told the whole story, and he broke down and cried on the, on the uh, witness stand. This kind of stuff has to stop. And uh, if nothing else happens, Bruce, and it may not, nothing else may happen, not, not in the immediate future, but the truth is powerful. And I'm grateful that they are allowing these guys to actually tell the story of what happened. So, all right, well, that's, um, that's it for today. <laughs> that's probably lots for today. I want to remind you that you can call us if you have a comment or a question at 662-821-2040, 662-821-2040. Eight two one two zero four zero, or you can send us an email at sandy at afr.net. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. You know what they are, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. And you can find us on all the podcast platforms. AFR.net is our home base. And if you download the app on your smartphone, AFR Talk, that's really, I think, the best way to listen. But Apple and Spotify are out there, too, and all the others. Uh, so we really appreciate you listening. And uh, for now, that's it. Bruce, you want to say a final word? Thank you for listening. It's always great to talk to you, and uh, let's all keep our ears up Yeah, and keep find our head- the truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that. Okay. All right. This has been Sandy Rios, 24-7.